of things that we're hoping for. Faith is the evidence of the things that we have not yet seen. See, this is what makes Christianity so interesting in our day and age because we're so used to walking by sight, not by faith. We're so used to believing in only what we can see. But then the Bible says that faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. That's why we're exploring unstoppable hope because faith is the substance of things that you're not seeing yet. It's all in the name. A name has significance and importance. It gives an understanding to whoever hears it. This is the correlation we see between hope and faith. If you have hope, then you're choosing to have faith. Pastor Daniel reminds us today that faith should ease our anxious hearts. You know those kinds of things we lose sleep over, stress out about? This is when I have to do a faith check. Do I believe in Jesus, in God? Am I placing my assurance in what the Bible teaches or just what I see? Well, let's join Pastor Daniel in John chapter 14 as he begins his message, Hope Has a Name. Isn't it the truth that there's just something about a name, right? Like when... Lynn and I, my bride, when we were having kids, we would talk through different names. And I remember we'd always have to decide like, okay, this is, I think the name we're going to have, but we need to make sure that when we see the child, that that's their name. Like I remember when we were first pregnant, when uh, Lynn and I first got married, when our son was born, I'd always wanted to have a son named Obadiah. I thought it would just be a great name, but you realize that Obadiah Fusco, that's a serious name, right? And so we had to make sure that when Obadiah was born, he looked like an Obadiah. So I remember we were like, okay, so, okay, we think the name is an insurance. When Obadiah was born, Razi came out, we're like, oh yeah, that's definitely an Obadiah because the name has to fit the person. And I remember when we got pregnant again, well, really Lynn got pregnant, but I was along for the ride and it's awesome. And I remember we just, when we found out we were having a girl, I was like, oh, we need to name the girl Maranatha Fusco. Now again, very significant name. And I always thought to myself, this, this little brown curly hair Italian girl named Maranatha. So sure enough, when Maranatha was born and she came on out right away, we're like, she's a total Maranatha. The name fit. And then of course, when we were pregnant the third time, which was always the biggest mistake. No, I'm just kidding. We love our third child. But I remember Lynn was like, I just want to have an Annabelle. And we're like, man, we got to make sure that this little lady looks like an Annabelle. And so sure enough, when she was born, when we saw her, we're like, absolutely, she's an Annabelle, right? And there's something powerful about a name. Now, we realize that in, in our day and age, oftentimes we pick names that we like. But in biblical times, names always had significant meaning. Right. Oftentimes someone would be giving it a name or a new name because of very important things, specific things about what God was doing in and through their life. And so the name is significant. Now, today I want to share with you something that I think is very, very powerful. And that's the simple fact that hope actually has a name. Now, you can be like, what? Hope has a name. But listen, we're doing this series that's called Unstoppable Hope, Fail-Proof Faith for uncertain times. And we're living in very unique seasons right now. 
I mean, in my life, I mean, I'm only 44 years old, but I never remember a time like this. I realize that there's unique things going on. It's just such a unique time. But really what we're learning every single day is that in the midst of all that's going on, God has a plan. And our job is to be able to not just become consumed with the situation, but to look above the situation and get our eyes on where our hope is truly found. And that's in the Lord. And my job as a pastor in these unique times is to help keep our eyes fixed on where our hope is truly found. And I'm excited to share with you that hope has a name and his name is Jesus. Don't believe me? Open up your Bibles to John chapter 14. Today we're going to be taking verses 1 to 6. John 14 verses 1 to 6. If you've never even opened a Bible before, I want to get you to John's gospel. It's a very powerful passage. John's gospel is the fourth book in the New Testament. That last quarter of your Bible that tells the story of the life of Jesus. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels we call them, are telling of the story of Jesus. John 14. And as you're turning there, I'll tell you a little story that, you know, John 14, these verses that we're going to see today is actually the, one of the first places in the Bible that I ever read. My mom, Christine was, uh, she was sick with cancer. She ultimately lost her battle with cancer now over 20 years ago. And I remember she would struggle to sleep sometimes at night. And then I would try and stay up with her because I was in college at that time. So I wasn't sleeping anyway. And she would ask me to read the Bible to her. And one of the passages she asked me to read was John chapter 14. And I, and I remember as a, as, a, as a young man, didn't know the Lord at the time, I would read this passage to her over and over and over again. And eventually I pretty much memorized the, the passage because I'd read it to her so many times. And so this is an important passage as it relates to times of uncertainty, times of struggle, not only in the biblical account, but also in my own personal life. So let me read it to you. John chapter 14, verses one to six says, this is Jesus speaking. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, there's so much in this passage for us to be able to explore. But I want you to notice in verse one what it says. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. What we learn from the get-go right here is that faith cures the troubled heart. Faith cures the troubled heart. He says, Jesus, I mean, it's so beautiful. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. My friend, listen, is your heart troubled today? I mean, there's all sorts of reasons to be troubled. There's so many things going on. We all have our own fears and doubts and issues. And we look at what's going on in the world. And we're like, man, how's this all going to work out? And then Jesus just so calmly says, let not your heart be troubled. And he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. I love that. That's why I said that faith cures the troubled heart. Because Jesus is saying, look, you believe in God? Then you should believe in me. I'm here for a reason. Now, 
One of the things that the Bible teaches and I think is really important is that God is actually pleased when we trust in Jesus. Listen to the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read verse 1 and then verse 6. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. See, faith is the substance of things that we're hoping for. Faith is the evidence of the things that we have not yet seen. See, this is what makes Christianity so interesting in our day and age because we're so used to walking by sight, not by faith. We're so used to believing in only what we can see. But then the Bible says that faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. That's why we're exploring unstoppable hope because faith is the substance of things that you're not seeing yet, but you're hoping for in God. And that's why Jesus says, look, don't be troubled. Believe in me. And even right now, I believe that Jesus is saying that to you and I, to, to, to our entire society right now. He's saying, listen, your heart's troubled. Don't, don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. And really the only way to truly believe in God the Father is to believe in God the Son. Jesus says the only people who know the Father are those who know the Son. It's impossible to say I believe in God and not believe in Jesus as the Son of God. That's what Jesus said. And so we want to make sure that we are exercising the faith that God has given us. That we're choosing in the midst of troubling times and uncertainty. That we're choosing to to look at the Lord and, and say, Lord, you know that my heart is troubled right now, but I believe in you. Because it says, as we read in the book of Hebrews, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. The only way that we can please God is by us believing in him, by trusting him. And I always like to remind people that faith is a gift that God gives us, but it's a choice that we get to exercise, right? God has given us the gift of faith, but then it's a choice that we make if we're going to exercise faith. And what, where are you right now with that? Where, if you've been given the gift of faith, if you believe in Jesus, then are you choosing to exercise it right now? That's one of the big things for us where the rubber meets the road in all of our lives. Can I exercise the faith that's been given to me as a gift. And I can always tell when I'm not walking in faith because my heart gets troubled. I I become turbulent and uncertain on the inside. And whenever I catch myself fretting and worrying and freaking out and all these different things that go on, I have to remind myself that I'm not walking by faith. You know, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes, and, I, and my bride Lynn is so amazing at this, where something will go on and, and I'll share and I'll be negative and then she'll say, oh, Daniel, God's not negative. And every time she says that, I kind of hang my head. I know she's right. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be the pastor, you know? But she's right because God isn't negative. And in the same way, when I start feeling all of the internal rumblings of fear and doubt and all these things, and I get troubled in my heart, then I, I sense the Lord be like, Daniel, you're freaking out, but I'm not freaked out. Like, I'm, I've seen this already. I know what I'm going to do in this situation. So, Daniel, you don't have to be troubled. You just need to learn how to trust me. And I believe that every single moment of our life is an invitation by God to trust him, to see that 
not only that we believe that he's a good father, but as the popular song says, we believe he's a good, good father. He's not just kind of good, he's amazingly good. And in those moments where our hearts get troubled is the moment that we get to walk by faith and not by sight. So faith cures the troubled heart. Now, as we continue on in John chapter 14, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, verse one. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Now, really what we learn next is that we have to put our struggles in the context of eternity. We need to put our struggles in the context of eternity. Why? Because he says, look, in my father's house... There are many mansions. There are rooms for you. And, and, and if it were not so, I would have told you. And then Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And, and really what Jesus is saying is that, listen, there are struggles in the present moment. That's real. But we always need to look at the whole story. We need to look at everything in the light of eternity. I realize that right now, these last number of weeks and months have been challenging. But in the context of eternity, this is a very small thing. And the Bible always invites us to take the, the long view. The Bible always reminds us that the sufferings of this present time are temporary. But there is an eternity that awaits each one of us. See, oftentimes if we just define our life by the worst possible moment, you realize that that worst moment was bad, but it was temporary. Right? That it, it happened, yes, But that's not the only story. There's also all sorts of other things that have gone on. And we have to learn how to put our present struggles in the bigger context of eternity. And Jesus is saying, listen, your heart's troubled now. Believe in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If if that wasn't the case, I would have told you that there's no heaven waiting for you. I go to prepare a place for you. How are you doing looking at what's going on right now in the greater picture of not only a whole lifetime, but an eternal life. Because the Bible teaches that everybody has an eternal life. It's just a matter of where your eternal destiny lies. Everybody lives eternally. But Jesus brings his own to his father's house. And those who reject Jesus, they don't get to go to the father's house. And so we need to make sure we look at what's going on in light of eternity. And we do not want our present fears to shipwreck our faith that we end up in a lost eternity. Now I realize that's like, that's some straight talk right there, isn't it? It's kind of a lost art today where people are willing just to put that stuff out there. But we need to think about it because this life has ramifications for the hereafter. But listen to how the Apostle Paul speaks of this in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 to 24. This question of life and death, he says, for to me, To live is Christ, then to die is gain. For if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having the desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. As the Apostle Paul is writing this, he's in jail. He's not sure if he's going to continue on in this life or if he's going to lose his life for his faith. He's saying, look, for me to live is Christ. 
He's like, while I'm here in this present struggles, while I have all these issues, then things going on right now, I get to experience Jesus right now. And while I'm here in this life, there's fruit for the labor that I'm going to do. And he's saying, but I realize for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, because he realizes what Jesus is saying. He's like, look, Jesus went to prepare a place for me through his finished work on the cross where God has forgiven all of our sins and he's prepared us for eternity by robing us in the righteousness of Jesus. See, this is the good news. The good news is not that you and I get everything right. The good news is that Jesus got everything right. And when Jesus got everything right, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we trust in him, then Jesus shares his holiness and he shares his righteousness with us. And in sharing his righteousness with us, he fits us not only for heaven in heaven, but also heaven on earth. And that's the good news, my friends. And so like the Apostle Paul, we want to look at our lives in such a way that we're saying, look, if I live or if I die, for me to live, it's Christ. And there's fruit for the work that I'm going to do. And when I die, I know that I'm going to be home. And he says, I, I want to, he's saying, it'd be far better if I die. I get to be with Jesus forever. But if I get to stay, I'm going to serve. And my friends, we need to learn how to look at life in the context of eternity, not just the context of the next week or the next month. You have to realize that even if we get to live a hundred years on this side of eternity, in light of eternity, that's just such a small amount of time. And too many of us are forsaking the bulk of the time for momentary pleasures. We're choosing the sins of the present instead of pleasures forevermore in the life of God. I had someone say to me recently, it was so beautiful. He was talking about his life doing drugs. He's like, but I've learned that they don't call him the most high for no reason. I love that. I love that. Because when you follow the most high, your life is abundant in all the right ways. But listen, we got to make sure we have to make sure we see our present struggles in the context of eternity. Jesus said, listen, in my father's house. There's mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it was not so, I would have told you. And then he says, verse three, and if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. This tells us that Jesus is coming soon. He's like, look, if I go to prepare a place for you, then I will come again. I'll receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. This speaks of the return of Jesus. Now, I realize that some of you are hearing this like, wait, Fusco, like, you know, you seem like a kind of a decent guy and maybe a semi-intelligent guy. And thank you for that nice compliment, you know, but you really believe that Jesus is coming back. Now, listen, I realize that for a lot of people, you're like, how can a guy who lived 2000 years ago come back? But what I want to tell you is that if Jesus truly rose from the dead, if the resurrection is possible, then the return of Jesus is absolutely on the menu. You have to realize that Jesus's resurrection changed everything because there really would be no Christianity. There'd be nobody believing in Jesus because in the early church, all they needed to go is show the body of Jesus. Like, well, Jesus is right here. This is his dead body. But because the tomb was empty, because Jesus was alive again, then Jesus ascended into heaven. He told the disciples that, listen, I'm going to come back again. So because of the resurrection, the return of Jesus is absolutely possible because he's still alive. And he promised that he was going to come back. 
And I love this because I realize that when I'm looking at all that's going on in the world, the only true hope to fix everything is the return of Jesus. When Jesus comes back and he makes everything right again, he unbreaks all the things that were broken by the fall of humanity. When you look at everything, when you look at death and sickness and strife and struggle, all the tears that we shed, when Jesus returns, he's going to wipe away every tear from every eye. And the return of Jesus is an ever-present hope for us. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts it. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. He says, and do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. See, the Apostle Paul realizes that Jesus' return is soon. And because of that, it's time for us to wake up, to not be sleeping. It's time for us to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And here's an important question for you. Because Jesus is coming back soon, we don't want to look busy. Because Jesus is coming back, we want to live right. We want to allow the Lord to do what he wants to do. And I think for too many of us, we've been sleeping. We've been involved in things we're not supposed to be involved in. And Jesus is inviting us, saying, listen, I want you to walk as children of light in the light. I don't want you to be under the cover of darkness doing shady things. Is that you today? No, listen, nobody gets saved by stopping doing bad things and starting doing good things. People get saved by putting their faith and trust in Jesus. But when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then Jesus invites you to leave behind things that are not fruitful and choose other things. So well, I'm not talking about changing your ways so that God accepts you. I'm talking about you being accepted by God in Christ and then allowing that to change your ways. And right now, I believe that God is inviting all of us to live differently. He's saying, look, I got a more excellent way to live than you choose for yourself. I look back on my own journey with Jesus and I'm truly amazed. I remember when I first got saved, there were things that I just did that I had no clue was completely abhorrent to God. I just didn't know. I, 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 I didn't know that a holy, I didn't know that there was a holy God who, who wanted different things. And I remember I'd just be like, I have these moments of realizations of how many mistakes that I had made. And I remember I'd see people that I knew growing up and when I'd see them after a long time, like, I am so sorry. Like some of you right now, you're watching this. We grew up together. I am so sorry. I did not know that I shouldn't be doing those things. I didn't know. And I did it in ignorance. And I'm so grateful for the grace of God because the grace of God says that I'm not what I used to be and I'm not what I'm going to be. But today is a day to take the step in the, in the right direction. And because we know that Jesus is coming back, Today is the day to take that step in the right direction. What does that look like for you today? How is God inviting you to take that next step with him? The Apostle Paul reminds us that the day of Jesus' return is nearer than when we first believed. Today is the nearest we've ever been to the return of Jesus. He's coming back. So I love this because... He's telling us all these things. He's telling us, hey, listen, believe in me. It'll cure your troubled heart. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel shared with us the description of faith through the lens of hope. 
It's this belief in something that we haven't seen but are hoping for. It's not always easy to live like this. Today's world wants to see before believing, and this is contrary to what Scripture teaches. What do you believe today? Do you let the craziness of this world steal the hope that Jesus offers? Friends, practice putting your faith and trust in Jesus every day. Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to let you know that, my friend, you're going to make it. In my latest book, You're Going to Make It, Unlocking Resilience When Life is a Mess, I unpack the keys to living with a deeply biblical resilience. You will explore how to blossom during times of suffering, fear and worry and stress. And in this messy world, these keys are invaluable. Pre-order the book today at JesusIsReal.com. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that our mindset is either focused on Jesus or it isn't. We mustn't get stuck in the present, especially when it's hard, because these times aren't permanent. Knowing that Jesus gives us the power to overcome those things in our lives we don't like takes faith. It takes faith to believe that everything comes together for the good for those that love him. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Unstoppable Hope. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.